Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. On tonight's episode, EA and I will be breaking down the defense going over position by position, who's joined the Jets, who's still on the Jets. And the Jets reportedly made a couple moves tonight or earlier today, should I say, re-signing, reportedly re-signing Arthur Millette, the cornerback who played last year for the Jets, and then, of course, reportedly re-signing Neville Hewitt. So a defensive day for Joe Douglas and company. EA, first things first, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. Oh, real quick, Olivia Landis will be joined by Anthony Becht talking Jets and talking Tom Brady, considering Anthony Becht knows a thing or two about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers living in that area. Uh, Real quick, though, before we talk about football, I don't think I've told you this. I'm thinking about growing a quarantine beard and seeing what, what I can get. What do you think about that? Uh, you can go ahead, man. Uh, you can sport a beard. You don't have bad facial hair, so go for it. I, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate that. So uh, let's – I tend to keep well, the beard – I mean, you just I, want to dive in? No, I tend to keep the beard year-round myself. It depends how long, I know. I, how long it's going to be. I have a friend – we have a mutual friend across the street here, Greens in Florham Park, uh, Paul Marsh, who's been working – uh, he's been a colleague of mine for close to 20 years, been a colleague of yours for more than four years. He's, he looks like a character straight out of Duck Dynasty. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, you know, you used to do the beard only from what? Uh, Thanksgiving to Easter. Easter. Is that right? Thanksgiving to Easter. But uh, At- yeah, but it, you listen, you got to pay attention to your loved ones. And if your loved ones tell you what to do with something, you follow that. Understood. <laughs> so let's, let's dive into some jets football here. Let's start with the cornerbacks because it's rather timely with Arthur Millette reportedly re-signing first is what's your overall take on the move. That was his best professional season last year uh, with the New York jets, getting some starting experience, um, I know one of those games, he, he came out of there with double-digit tackles. What I like about Millette Greens, and you can add to this, just thinking about him is he's a depth guy. He can give you value on special teams. He can play outside the numbers, and he can play inside. Yeah, he started six games last year for the Jets, appeared in 12. He had, I mean, all career numbers for him, 38 total tackles. Oh, yeah. Two pass defenses. He got an interception in the season finale up at New Era Field in Buffalo. And I think I think Arthur Merlette really grew as the year went on. And I think this is a good move for the Jets. And obviously we talked about just how thin the position is from a numbers perspective. I mean, the Jets corners under the roster, under contract, are Bless Austin, Kyron Brown, Nate Hairston, and Daryl Roberts. That's four yep. defensive backs, four cornerbacks. And Arthur Millette's definitely earned his spot, I think, back on the Jets and will have an opportunity, depending on who the Jets sign and bring in in the draft, to start. And the other thing I really like about Arthur Millette is his willingness to tackle and set the edge. And that's something that you and I have talked to him about throughout the course of last season. And he's a very physical corner and he's familiar with Greg Williams. So the familiarity and the continuity can only bode well for him. So I, I think it was a good move by Joe Douglas. Yeah, depth is very important, and there's multiple waves of free agency. And uh, Millette, uh, like we talked about, here's a guy who, who really takes a hard-nosed approach. He plays hard on the field. I think he's a Greg Williams-type player. 
Um, and you need depth. And this is a guy who showed last year when called upon is that he can go out there and he can contribute for you, not only on teams greens, more importantly, defensively. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Arthur Millett has a real interesting story. And we had him on the podcast once before. Juco, and then goes and plays for the Saints, the Colts a little bit, then joins the Jets. And he actually started like an all-seafood diet, became a pescatarian at some point last year, and was very much enjoying that when we spoke to him. But when you look at the status of the rest of this Jets secondary, one, I'm sure Joe Douglas is going to add more players at corner in particular because you think about, one, the numbers like we talked about, and two, you think about, or I think about at least, what Joe Douglas said at the combine when he said, we yes, we need explosive playmakers on offense, but on defense, you need to add edge rushers and, and corners because that's the best way to affect the pass. And we'll see what happens, of course, with the draft. And when you look at the Jets' safeties, when you go back there, obviously you think about Jamal Adams and Marcus May, but then really question marks behind those two guys. Yeah, I just want to get back to the cornerback position just for a second here early in free agency. There are a couple of veterans out there on the market that are intriguing greens. Jimmy Smith, uh, Joe Douglas, a former Baltimore scout when the Ravens made him a first-round pick back in 2011. I know he's a veteran, 32 years of age, but – he still can play, and somebody is going to sign him up, I would imagine, relatively soon. The other guy played cross town for the New York Giants, Prince of Mukamara, right? So he's out there as well, uh, and he's an older guy, 31 years old. But uh, those are two guys who can come in and play uh, roles for whoever picks them up, no doubt about it. But in the safety position, listen, man, you got to be really excited if you're a Jets fan. you got a two-time defending team MVP in Jamal Adams, who is also a two-time pro bowler, who also first-team all-pro uh, all pro for the first time in his career last year, all over the place, six-and-a-half sacks, might have set the NFL defensive back sack record had not he suffered that ankle injury in December, but still a fabulous season all over the place. Uh, He can kind of do it all. Greg Williams, I think, um, was a perfect match for him, Greens. And how about Marcus May? Only guy in the defensive backfield to start all 16 games, rangy, and he is central command. He's the guy making sure everybody is lining up in the right position. And when you think about the Jets last year, what impressed me most about May perhaps was the guys all pointed to him and said, especially the guys on the outside, those cornerbacks, we mentioned the guy like Arthur Merlette, is that he was the guy making sure everybody disguised late. There were a lot of times last season when the Jets faced a veteran quarterback, he didn't know what was coming. I think about that Oakland Raiders game. And Derek Carr, uh, you know, listen, give the guys credit up front, but what the Jets were doing in the defensive backfield and how Greg Williams was disguising, I thought really had him baffled. And we saw that on occasion, no matter who was playing on the outside. So Marcus May not only talk about what he brings athletically, we got to talk about what he brings from the mental standpoint. All right. Well, before we dive into the linebackers and defensive line, here's Olivia Landis's interview with Anthony Becht. 
you living in Tampa Bay, as well as just being involved in the football world, everybody on God's green earth knows that Tom Brady, the former Patriot, New England Patriot, he was there for 20 years, officially committed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's actually um, on your side of town now. <laughs> which is he kind is, of crazy yeah, to think about. Right. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, the 2000 draft, we both came out of that draft. Of course, myself, Chad, uh, Sean Ellis, Abraham, we were all part of that same draft. He, he obviously went uh, later in the sixth round and just an unbelievable run for him. And the fact that he is arguably, this is probably the largest free agency signing. Some people say since Peyton Manning, I would say ever, you know, since Reggie White, because yeah. you know, this guy is arguably the best quarterback to ever play the game. I, I don't think many people right at this point with all his rings and everything he's done would say differently. So uh, just a long string of events, Olivia, that kind of went on from start to finish, finish when you talk about him becoming a Buccaneer. And I don't think a lot of people really believed it was going to happen. You know, if you look at the past for the Buccaneers, a lot of kind of hand up in your face kind of situations going back to Bill Parcells, who was supposed to coach here, thought that was a done deal. He goes when Chip Kelly was hot. Uh, he was a big name. He was supposed to sign here. He goes somewhere else. And then, of course, Brett Favre, who ended up going to the Jets and played for the Vikings, didn't uh, didn't, uh, you know, come to Tampa Bay where it was a potential option for him. So this is kind of a surreal moment for the fans down here. I don't think a lot of people really believed in the fact that it was going to happen. It was a lot of talk, a lot of people kind of talking about interest. But within the organization and the people that I know from Tampa Bay, you know, this thing has been going on since early February. You know, the talks, the push, uh, you know, when a lot of people weren't thinking that Tom Brady was ever going to leave, they kind of pushed the envelope a little bit. And, you know, Bruce Arians, the head coach uh, down here in Tampa Bay, kind of pushed the envelope, got Tom Brady kind of talking to the right people. And those people were Peyton Manning, you know, players that played under Bruce Arians and kind of get to know what he did in that transition when they were with the Colts. And, of course, when he went to Denver, when he left Indianapolis, no one ever thought that Peyton would do that. So this is a first time deal for Tom Brady, first time free agency, just not really getting, you know, the the kind of ups and downs, the ins and outs of the situation. A lot of uh, information was being gathered and the Buccaneers continue to push, continue to push. And, and of course, you see now the pieces, the rosters, the coaching staff, former head coach of the New York Jets is down here as the defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. All those things, I think, come together uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a high, you know, weathered area where you love to play and the sun's out every single day and an older player. I remember that for myself going somewhere and playing somewhere where the weather's great and it just feels good. So his body's going to be great. So coming down to Tampa Bay, as many who thought it wasn't going to be or wasn't a great idea, turns out to be his best choice. And it's a, definitely a surreal moment for the fans down here. With Brady leaving the AFC East, Sam Darnold now becomes the longest tenured quarterback in the AFC East, which is kind of crazy to think about. But when you look at Sam Darnold, because he was drafted in the same draft class as Josh Allen, but he has more starting experience. How is he going to build off of that in year three? Well, yeah, I think the one thing we can all uh, agree upon with Sam and he's determined to be great. He's determined to get better. Uh, you know, he's a team guy. You know, he's not necessarily worried about statistics. The only statistic he has and thinks about is winning football games. And it was a disaster last year when he missed several games because of uh, getting mononucleosis. So uh, I'm excited for him. He has to be pumped up. I mean, it's a huge offseason for him. You know, him, his his skilled position players, these guys working together, training. I mean, you know, right now they're not together during this time, which it wouldn't be anyway. But, you know, getting the juices flowing and, and wanting to come back, get stronger, get faster. You know, you're more intelligent with the system now. 
all these things put together with another year under your belt just makes everybody better. So, you know, the organization from the top with Joe Douglas and his staff, Rex, and all those guys are going to put together the best team possible. Gase and, and his staff, you know, make sure everybody is complimentary and what they're trying to propose as far as plays and enhancing from last year and the system and what worked and what didn't. And then, of course, all the players coming back healthy, you know, that that's going to be uh, uplifting. I think it's exciting. You, every team gets excited. But, I, you know, as I look at what the Jets did and you start early in the season, you know, that first game, you know, what they looked like when they came out the gates and then how the kind of team dissipated because of injuries, missing Mosley and all these kind of players not being at full task. Uh, that that that'll be a difference this year, and that'll be huge. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think Sam, most importantly of any player on the football team, can grow and become even better uh, than he was last season. That's what you want. You want to be peaking at year three. That's kind of how the evolution of a player is in the NFL. The great ones, the high draft picks. When you play your first, your second years, you get thrown into the fire. Now it's like, okay, you got to be peaking. So he's kind of, you know, he's got out of that youth um, uh, process and now he's stepping into that veteran world where he can become even more of a leader on that end too, which will be great for him. I think this goes without saying as well, but I'm going to say it anyways. If there's any person to listen to when it comes to some of the college prospects coming out into the draft, it's definitely going to be you because you are watching (laughs) these players every single week when you're doing the college, you know, being a college football analyst. So I think that um, I'm just going to go ahead and listen to what you have to say (laughs) and listen in on some of these guys. But yeah, that's great. I think Joe Douglas very vocally addressed the fact that the offensive line was going to be a number one priority coming into this offseason. And so far, he has lived up to his word. So it's really good to see that they are getting some things done along the offensive line. Now, before I let you go, I want to get some final thoughts. We're going to circle back to the Tom Brady and the Jets and the AFC East this whole talk. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you do a lot of work for both the Jets and some team coverage for the Bucks as well, since you live down there in Tampa. When you are, you know, you're an insider, but also from an outsider looking in, when you look at this entire situation, is there anything else that really stands out to you about this Tom Brady being in Tampa Bay and how can how this really affects the Jets in the AFC East? Well, you know, I think it's a, you know, it's a tremendous springboard for this team to take advantage of a situation. I mean, you know, there's going to be some some struggles here for the Patriots and, and that's one team in the division. And I think last year, not a lot of buzz was put around the Buffalo bills, but I think right now you look at the bills where they're at, that's your main kind of, you know, competition. It's jets. Totally bills, and then of course, um, you know, Miami trying to figure out, you know, what their quarterback situation is. They've got a, they bought a ton of players, but I don't know how good of a team they'll be. So um, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I, look, this is a, this is a, a great time to be, to be a jet fan. I think they're positioned properly. Like we talked about in the draft. Um, and look, Tom Brady is not in, not only in the division, but in the conference. And that, that sets, that sets a huge bar. I mean, honestly, those are two games that ma- the majority of the com- uh, the division were not winning. I mean, it's just bottom line, regardless, it may have been close, but Tom just been a thorn and everybody's, uh, everybody's back for the last 20 years. And, you know, now you gotta, you know, I, I would expect, uh, the, the Patriots to lose games within the division and, and the pay and the, and the jets have to be those trendsetters early. Uh, to take advantage of that, and uh, ultimately that'll give them the confidence, and that's that's what's going to be good. And and look, good teams, you know, winning one game, two games in a row are great. The, the really good teams that come out each year can win three, four games in a row. Th- those are the kind of uh, trends you want to look for when you're looking for teams that are good. You know, when you start losing two or three, and then you got to bounce back, win one, you lose one. 
that's not really a good sign. So early on, that'll be a, that's what I'll be looking for out of the Jets, and I, I think they're fully capable of that along with some of the weapons that, again, it's early on here in, in March. They're going to continue to to add to this football team and 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 hopefully, you know, uh, live up to the expectation that I think they should have moving into next season. Anthony, I can't thank you enough for your time uh, coming on the podcast, giving us your thoughts, not only on Tom Brady, but the Jets as well. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Listen, enjoy Tom Brady down there in your sunny Florida, okay? Hey, listen, I'm, I'm definitely happy. He's gone. He's out, of, <laughs> he's out of the AFC, which is great for us because, you know, that that's exactly what we want. And, of course, yes. I'm happy because Tampa, it's been a struggle down here. Two of the teams I cover just trying to get over the hump, and I can't wait to see how both teams react to both of, the, uh, of those leaving and coming. It's going to be an interesting year. Always great to hear from Anthony Beck, who, of course, was one of the four players drafted in 2000 by the Green and White. And as EA and I spoke with Anthony Beck at the Combine, he is still extremely proud of his Combine numbers. And you know what? Like, good for him, because I didn't even know that he had those kind of numbers in Indianapolis. And he really tore it up. And if he were, I mean, he talked about this. If he were a current day prospect, he would be a big time riser after the combine. Listen, Anthony Beck played at 270 pounds, known for his blocking prowess. But, yeah, what he did at the combine, uh, I would consider him somewhat of a freak athlete, bottom line. But uh, uh, Pulling off those numbers and some of those cone drills, some of those shuttle drills. Uh, yeah, and it, it was hard to fit his head into the convention center because he was feeling quite good about himself talking to the college kids and remembering what he had posted 20 years prior. Yeah, no doubt. And I know we got off on a little bit of tangent talking about some offense on the defense podcast here. So let's go back to another reported signing. Neville Hewitt supposedly rejoins the Jets and he, he had a roller coaster year in the sense of he was the backup will linebacker. Then he becomes a starter when Avery Williamson goes down. Then CJ Mosley gets hurt in week one. So week two, he's the Mike linebacker after two weeks before he was a reserve player and he played very well for the Jets. Yeah. And you asked me the other night about Burgess because he was an exclusive rights free agent as well. And he's an unrestricted free agent. And we're covering all these guys, and I forgot to even mention Neville because the first guy on my mind was C.J. Mosley, and then I thought about Avery, and then I thought about Blake Cashman. But how can you not remember Neville Hewitt? He was terrific last year, 78 tackles. He had three sacks, seven quarterback hurries, a couple interceptions, six pass defenses. I mean, here is a guy – that you brought in your system. Again, Frank Bush, inside linebackers coach, and also uh, defensive coordinator Greg Williams. You have to credit those guys for his development because uh, Neville Hewitt largely thought of as a depth player of reserve. I'll tell you what, he looked like a front-line starter towards the end of the season, no doubt about that. And when he's not – and the only thing – or the other thing about Neville Hewitt that I like is when he's not starting – at either the Mike or the Will, he's a very solid special teams contributor. I believe the year before he was one of the core members of special teams, and he did a great job for Brant Boyer's unit as well. So he's another one of those guys that brings intensity, and he might not be the most outgoing off the field, but on the field, 
He runs with his hair on fire. He hits hard. He had a great game against Dallas before he went down with a stinger for a couple weeks. And I really like where the linebackers right now yeah, are inside at. linebacker is an embarrassment of riches if you really think about it. Now, if those guys stay, uh, if they all come back 100%, and that is the big ca- caveat. But uh, C.J. Mosley, uh, I mean, I don't know if all Jets fans remember – just how good of a player this guy is. We saw glimpses of it against the Buffalo Bills when he was the best player on the field in week one. If you get him back, and he's also one of the most cerebral uh, players in the league, he's going to be a perfect fit with Greg Williams. You got Avery Williamson still on the roster. He led the team in tackles in 2018. Blake Cashman, I thought, showed a lot of things in coverage last year before going down. So I just think the biggest thing for the inside linebackers greens is health and then check the box because just like the tight ends are set on the offensive side of the ball, you got to like where you're at inside linebacker. Yeah, and I I even think the same could be said for defensive line. We'll touch on them right after we talk about the outside linebackers because right now, I mean, the big big guy that you don't think about in terms of or that you do think about potentially not returning is Jordan Jenkins because he's not under contract. He's currently a free agent. And then you think about Terrell Basham who came on late at the end of the year. He had his first career interception against the Steelers. That was impressive. Then Frankie Louvu is an exclusive right free agent. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, Harvey Longy is another one of the guys that plays all over the place. And the Jets right now, they're going to need some guys on the outside at the linebacker position to step up. Yeah, and you mentioned Joe Douglas is saying the, the point of emphasis, talking about uh, edge guys and cornerbacks. So Basham is a guy who you mentioned that interception. Interception, I believe that was a zone drop. Uh, I thought uh, Jamal Adams was coming on a blitz, and their Bash displayed his athleticism. And a lot of the big guys, they might drop a ball like that, but he showed his hands off. I like his speed off the edge. He's a big guy. The versatility, too, Greens, is that he could put his hand in the dirt, and he also can stand up, of course. So uh, Bash uh, intrigues me because I look at him as another developing player on this team. Jordan Jenkins, yeah, the watch is on because 15 sacks the last two seasons. He led the green and white in sacks uh, last year. The thing about Jordan that he's going to have to weigh in his representation and things like that is uh, what is the best system fit for me? Where am I comfortable? Uh, Let's see how that plays out. A valuable piece, uh, but if the Jets don't go in that direction, of course they might be looking to add at edge, regardless whether you bring Jordan Jenkins back or not, right? Yeah, I would definitely think so. And that was one of the positions, like I said earlier, that Joe Douglas talked about being imperative on any good defense. And real quick, let's just wrap things up on the defensive line. And you talked about an embarrassment of riches before. Well, this defensive line, just when you thought it couldn't get – you know, on paper, it was good entering last season. Then you get contributions from Florenzo Farukasi. Nathan Shepard had a good year. You knew what you were going to get out of Steve McClendon. And then really what's the biggest surprise, I think, if you look back at last year, was the production by an undrafted free agent rookie in Kyle Phillips. 
Yeah, it's something else. Uh, before I dive in to the defensive line real quick, because I don't even know how much time we got to spend on those guys because they are set up front. A uh, couple guys in the market, interesting names. Let me throw this at you. Uh, Vinny Curry played with yeah. the Eagles, of course. It's going to be 32, but he had five sacks last year, Greens. So uh, let's see how the market develops for him. How about Marcus Golden? Uh, played last season with the Giants. This shocked me, Greens. He had 10 sacks last season. Uh, yeah. So there are a couple guys out there. I know everybody's talking about Jadamian Clowney, okay? Um, we'll have to see how that all uh, continues to progress. But I, I think Clowney's a guy who's going to want to break the bank. I don't know what the market will be ultimately for him. Right now, he's sitting it out. Now, let's go to the defensive line. You mentioned all those guys. Steve McClendon, Jim's always open. Uh, he's stout as ever, a great leader inside the locker room. Credit him for a lot of the development for Fuller Runzo Fadakasi. Listen, when guys started talking about Fadakasi last year, they weren't saying that he's one of the better run stuffers on the Jets. They were saying he's one of the better run stuffers in the National Football League. Do you think about what the Jets did last year in terms of either stops at the line of scrimmage or stops in the backfield, stops for a loss? It was really something else. Quinn and Williams is there too. Greens, we got to mention him, number three overall selection in the 2018 draft. Um, so I still have high hopes for him. I know sometimes you're going to see the biggest leap from a lot of these young guys. You know this, Greens, is from is not the rookie seasons from year one to year two. You got Henry Anderson still on the roster, big rangy guy um, who can be used in different situations. So depth, talent, uh, hardworking guys, uh, pluggers, you got everything up there. Yeah, I just want to say one thing about Quinn Williams. You mentioned the the you mentioned the leap that a lot of players take from year one to year two, and you just for me, I look at Falaronzo Fadukasi and Nathan Shepard, two defensive linemen who had quiet rookie years, and Falaronzo, I don't think he was active for a single game before becoming one of the better, if not one of the best run stuffers in the NFL. I mean, he had a great year last year for the Jets in his second season. So to your point, I do have high hopes for Quinton Williams entering his second season. And I think Quinton Williams has high hopes for himself. And I think he knows it because he's somebody that was very well regarded at, at Alabama. That just doesn't go away. So I'm pretty sure, like, if you ask me today – who my breakout player next year would be, I would be saying Quinn and Williams. Obviously, I'm not going to – don't hold me to that, but that's what I'm going with right now on March 20th at 4.47 p.m. Now is the official Jet podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Many thanks to Olivia and Anthony Becht, EA. Keep holding down the fort in Florham Park, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, brother. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be back Monday.